What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 65th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good, dude. How about you? Oh, you know, uh, spent last night watching some wrestling. Hell yeah, you did. Um, yeah, you joined uh, myself, your brother Kyle, uh, my good friend Ryan, and his cousin Pat. And we all watched uh, WrestleMania on Zoom last night, which was quite the experience. WrestleMania Part 2, yes. uh, mind you. I watched both parts, Parts 1 and 2, Saturday, Sunday. Um, you joined us for Part 2. Um, probably some of the best cinematic content we'll get all year, you know? Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, WrestleMania was this past weekend, and Vince McMahon's a maniac, and he still made everyone, uh, you know, participate in an empty performance center um and it was so weird it was just weird i mean you've watched i mean i know you're not a big wrestling fan you joined us just because it was fun to hang out but yeah um but you have watched you know other pay-per-views with us uh uh, wrestlemanias and royal rumbles and things like that um how did you feel the empty empty arena kind of like it just it was to me it was just weird and i i forgot how much of the crowd plays as part of the story in a lot of this stuff well they feed into it right like you can tell that you know like theater like live theater you know part of the experience is with the audience so you know you're you're playing to them to the crowd to kind of you know get the booze and cheers to find your your champions and your heels and even the way that some of the um the wrestlers were sort of interacting with each other. They, it was strange because they were still sort of engaging as though they were talking to uh, an audience when yeah. nobody was there. Like it was, it was a very surreal kind of experience to watch. And you could tell that it, it did look a little bit more ridiculous, especially out of context if you're not even watching, but in context, it's, it's, it's a very odd situation, one that I don't think maybe Vince McMahon had truly thought out or at least didn't kind of perceive how it would all eventually sort of turn out the way that it did. The only sequence I think that's really was truly engaging in its own way was the Firefly sequence. Like that felt yeah. like like that's what they needed to do with all of the segments. I mean – Honestly, they probably shouldn't have done any of them because it kind of seems a little bit reckless on Vince McMahon's part to have something like this go on uh, as, you know, people are in self-isolation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I feel like they probably should have canceled this or postponed it. But I mean, uh, Vince McMahon will be Vince McMahon until the day he dies. Um, so, uh, yeah, they did it at this performance center. And uh, yeah, like Eric mentioned, there was one segment for you, those of you who aren't wrestling fans, um, uh, Bray Wyatt fought. I mean, if people are listening and are movie fans would know this other name, John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match. So the idea there is that Bray Wyatt's character now, um, is kind of like, um, Mr. Rogers or a Mr. Dress Up style character, but then he has this like evil side to him. So he has this thing called the Firefly Funhouse, which is basically, you know, a riff of children's, you know, programming and things like that. But then um, 
very supernatural based, all the ridiculous stuff you get in, in wrestling. Uh, Undertaker fought in a boneyard match the night before with AJ Styles. And both of those two matches were, you know, more like, um, I mean, the AJ Styles Undertaker thing was more of an actual, you know, wrestling match in a graveyard kind of thing, but shot very not I won't I won't say cinematically, but they've tried they tried to put a story together with, you know, edits and music and, and things like that. Where the Firefly uh Funhouse match was more of like this weird, you know, history through John Cena's career and Hulk Hogan's career and a metaphor that John Cena's just, you know, another Hulk Hogan and he's not really original and and his career trajectory has been almost the same and just like and it did all these weird, bizarre you know, cuts where they would do archival footage and John Cena dressed up as different versions of himself or Hulk Hogan. Um, and it was just this bizarre, you know, short film almost right. um, with these two guys. It's an avant-garde and, WWE yeah. wrestling uh, uh, short movie. So best short film at the Oscars this year, do you think? Matt? I mean, it's the front runner. It's got to be. We, we debated uh, reviewing it on the reviews podcast, but... Um, but yeah, WrestleMania as a whole was strange. I, I, I wouldn't want to watch another event without a crowd. I don't think, um, it just, I think it loses a lot of its appeal. I think the pops and like you mentioned, Eric, like when the people are cheering for the faces, booing the heels and, and, uh, everything in between, I think it's that other character that you, you need in, in this type of ridiculous, you know, soap opera y type sports entertainment and i feel like when you take that out and it's sure you can appreciate the athleticism and different things like that but um it loses some of its appeal when you uh, remove the audience there so i mean two nights i liked it they were just three three and a half hour snippets each night instead of doing like a seven hour marathon kind of pay-per-view um and it was fun to watch it on zoom with you guys like uh our friend ryan hancock is a should be a um you know, a commentator or something. He was losing his shit over all oh, of it. Oh, poor and, hype uh, man. He should just yeah. be the WWE hype man. Like, yeah. he, like it was. I think it was more entertaining and fun to watch him so excited and in yeah. it uh, than watching the actual show. Which, again, like you know, there are some personalities that I do like, even though I'm not a, a wrestling fan. And and I think that Firefly. Uh, Funhouse sequence was really well done as a conceptual piece, um, but I think yeah, it 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 just without the audience, you, you're you're missing a key component to what makes it work, and and I mean it is literally fan service, and you're you're missing that aspect the way that like if you were to go to you know a Broadway play or a production, a theater production, part of what makes it really work or all come together is that you're performing for an audience, even though, you know, you're interacting with the people that are on stage or in, in this case in the ring, you know, you're, you're, you're still kind of self-aware or at least taking in the fact that you're performing for a larger crowd. And yeah, you can realize that this is streaming and people at home like Ryan are, uh, you know, completely engaged by it, but it, it just loses something because there's an interactive quality to it. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, overall enjoyed it. That's what I was up to this weekend and you were up to half of it. But, um, if you guys didn't know, this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week, Eric and I get together, um, talk about what's going on in our lives, what's going on in the entertainment industry, everything from wrestling to, you know, usually movies, although there aren't 
too many new ones these days. Uh, lots of news, though. Lots of news to talk about, but uh, no actual <laughs> new movies. Um, so our other podcast, Untitled Movie Reviews, um, a little slow right now, but Eric and I are trying to brainstorm some ways um, to, you know, get some content over on that other channel. Um, over there, Eric and I review usually new release films um, in theaters, um, sometimes on streaming services. Uh, but we're trying to figure out, you know, how to proceed with that channel. We'll have a review up for uh, I'm going to force Eric to watch Trolls World Tour because it's the only new release. <laughs> um, you would. Not the only one, but like uh, the one that we can actually uh, stream at home. So we'll review that um, this weekend. Um, so that'll probably be the next review up there. We're looking to review uh, Jay Shield's Cursed series on Shudder. Um, Cursed Films, sorry. Yeah. On Shudder. Um, we might do a thing where we you know, watch the film that uh, Jay is featuring in that episode and then review that and the episode of the show. Um we're trying to think of some other things. We'll probably go through maybe our backlog of Netflix films that we haven't watched. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Um, some other streaming movies that'll be coming out. I'm sure there'll be more news of stuff that will be dropping on VOD. But um, right now, it's looking like it's uh, it's pretty barren other than Trolls World Tour. Um, but Eric, you have a, new, a review out for Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, correct? Which was just yes, which is available it. on iTunes right now. And and again, um, I I think you know considering where we are now, it's it's not an easy watch, obviously, because you know it's dealing with subject matter that is very serious and also concerning and 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 what have you. But at the same time, if you're looking for a great American indie right now. Um, Eliza Hitman's film is is the ticket. It really is uh, Eliza the Hitman Hart, uh, okay. <laughs> if you will, to, you to bring it back into wrestling. Um, but no, like it's it's an amazing movie in in terms of its subject matter and showing you sort of a situation that could have easily been preachy or sort of you know telling you how to feel but it never does it's non-judgmental and and it's a powerful pro-choice drama but again it feels like you're watching a docudrama or a documentary as these characters kind of figure out what they're doing and it is a coming-of-age film and it's also a road trip movie and you know the performances from these relative newcomers are are incredible especially because you don't project anything onto them because if it was movie stars or somebody that you kind of knew in the role, you might think, Oh, well, this is like, you know, an actor, you know, playing this part for, you know, credibility or, or, or respectability. This is like, you look at them and you see these kind of plain, fresh faces and you realize that these, they, they're, they're just, they're natural. They're, they're, they're nuanced. They're, they're, they're raw and new to this industry. Um, Sydney Flanagan, who's, who's a lead has one sequence. It's like this one take, which goes back to the title where this counselor is kind of going through a questionnaire where she has to answer never, rarely, sometimes, always. And the way that Hitman just kind of keeps it on her face and how we see backstory being told through this questionnaire um, is some of the most devastating filmmaking I've seen in quite some time. Interesting. Cause I, I watched the trailer a while ago and I, I think it's when, I don't know, like, and, and something didn't click with me when it, it was, I don't know. You, how am I, I think it's to hard to this? sum up in a trailer because this is the yeah. kind of movie 
that you need to give it that space, that room to kind of breathe and watch and sort of get involved with these characters and the story because it's not plot heavy. It's it's yeah. more character focused and the story is kind of very small, but it also is saying something in terms of protesting and looking at medical restrictions in, you know, the U S but at, yeah. at the same time, sort of packaging something like this is difficult because again, you're also trying like, I'm glad that this movie, like it is taking a stance, but at the same time, I can see like the studios marketing it in a way it's like, well, we don't want to, you know, quote unquote, alienate people that aren't pro-choice. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is what that movie is. And you have to respect that for, for what it's doing and its convictions. Yeah, and I, I don't know how doing- anybody, you know, could watch this film and come out at, on the other end and say at least like, oh, well, you know, I never thought of this or that in the movie, and now my perspective has changed in terms of somebody that might not be pro-choice. Right. Yeah, I think for me it was like – it's hard to explain, but it's that type of like TIFF or Sundance movie where I I get what you're saying, that it it actually brings some appeal to it that they are, you know, rather unknown actors and things like that. But it was like that kind of, you know, teen – um not like CW teen drama, but that indie teen drama that it like something was rubbing me the wrong way from the trailer, but I'm glad everything you says uh, said sounds great. So I know. I, and I, I know what you're talking about. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, it's like that, like that, like that indie movie that plays at a festival that has, you know, non actors and gets critically acclaimed because they're just non actors. And it's taking uh, a, a topic that is, sort of sensitive or important an issue um, worth talking about, but it does it in a way that kind of lays it on thick or it feels like you have to watch it for um, either academic purposes or that it's like, you know, it's, it's um, for school. Like you, like you, you, you should be, this is good for you kind of thing, but that's not what this is watching the movie. Like this is the other thing that I think Eliza Hitman is so good with is that she is in tune with adolescents kind of trying to figure out their own bodies and sexuality with both. It felt like love and beach rats before that it's, it's watching those performances and those characters. It feels so spontaneous. And when you're watching right, it, right, right. like, like even the look of the movie, it almost looks like it was unearthed from the 1970s. Like I almost right, got like right. a little bit of like maybe Eliza Hitman's a, a, a fan of John Cassavetes in terms of like taking, you know, a scenario and, and writing around the characters. And there is a script, it's not improv, but I'm sure there are moments that are written around in terms of where they are and, and sort of making New York as well. Again, this is the cliche thing to say, you know, making New York a character, but making New York overwhelming for two, you know, teenage girls who live in this rural part of, you know, uh, America and in in closer to the west in in Pennsylvania, you know, and and to go to this, you know, giant city that seems so daunting for something that's also very personal and, you know, something that that isn't discussed. Yeah, um, well, very I mean, much. You've convinced me to watch it. I just uh, I couldn't pull the trigger on the twenty dollar rental, but um, and that's fair. I mean, like it is it is worth. I, like if 
if you want to find something that's actually like quote unquote like that has substance or want to support something that's worth supporting, I would definitely say yeah, you know, rent the premium uh, uh, cost or take the premium cost, which is available now on iTunes. But if you can't afford it. it you know, these are these are tough times. I totally get it. But, you know, when it becomes five dollars or even ninety nine cents down the line, give give it a shot. It's yeah, it's yeah. worth trying. Um cool. Uh what else have you been up to the last uh, you know, week or so? Anything? I know we're I mean, not you... other than watching uh this you is... know, movies and, and slowly yeah. getting back into Twin Peaks again. Okay. Not nice. a whole lot. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I guess this will be. Is this the fourth podcast we've done like this? Yes, this is the fourth yeah. week we've been yeah. we've been quarantined now for for a month. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is crazy. Um, which is wild. But and it hasn't gotten any. Um, uh, I don't know. It hasn't gotten any easier, or uh, it hasn't. You know, settled. There in are days that yet. are sometimes better than others. Like there are some days where. I don't want to say there's hope, but it doesn't feel as bad. Like it feels like, okay, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then there are some days where it feels like, is this the end? Like, is this, or is this the end right. of civilization? You know, <laughs> yeah, which, um, yeah, which is, I, I don't think that that's, I, I, don't I don't either, but when you, there, when right. you hear like, okay, so for example, as we're talking about this, like today, you know, Boris Johnson going into intensive care, uh, yeah. in the UK, like that is very serious 100%, for, yeah. you know, family reasons for, I'm not a fan of, of his politics, but, but in terms of, you know, his family, his, his friends, but also for the UK, because I mean, that's, you know, the prime minister and, and yeah. so it, like that shows you that this thing is serious. And like, and I think that's the scale and scope of um, the disease, the virus itself. It's like, you know, we, we're hearing so many cases of, you know, this thing is almost like silent, a silent killer. Like it, it, it takes, it's almost like you don't even notice it's there. And then all of a sudden you have breathing problems and then, you know, you know, you can get really sick and in some cases die. Like I was talking to my, my, my dad, um, a couple of days ago, we're talking for about 30 minutes and he had a friend that he worked with. Um, and she, she just passed away one night, um, based on, uh, uh, symptoms and, and she yeah. went to the hospital and when she went, uh, the doctors had her there for a couple of days and they said like, okay, well, we can't really do much for you. Like you seem to be coming out of it. And she went to bed one night and just didn't wake up, you know? Yeah. And I think it's getting to the point now where at least like either you'll know somebody that has it or has had it or is going through it. Like it feels like now it's harder to kind of at least not be touched by it in some way. Yeah, I mean, one person at the um, my day job at our office um, was not confirmed because they're only testing certain people, but presumed positive. Um, and a couple people at the company that I work with at different offices and stuff, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the closest I've gotten to it so far, but I mean, I've been, we've been pretty good. I mean, uh, again, Nevis and I try to only go out for, you know, a walk once in a while when we feel like we need some fresh air, or some exercise or something like that. Uh, Nevis went and grabbed groceries today and she said that, uh, you know, the fresh co across the street from us has some, you know, good social distancing policies in there. Now they were only letting in a certain people into the store uh, at one time and you could only walk like they had one way lanes. So you had to kind of follow these lanes and couldn't, you know, cross paths with people because you, um, it was like, don't enter this aisle from this way. It had to be a certain way and things like that. So places are adapting and getting better, but then that makes it stranger and stranger to me. The more normal that stuff is, or the more like, oh, look at how great they they are with their social distancing policies is like a weird thing to come to terms with, I feel. And um, I mean, even WrestleMania this weekend is how we kicked off the show is like that just, you know, just watching that and that being pre-taped that was a week or two ago i guess but um stuff like that being you know just something that's on and we're all just watching like it's wrestlemania when it's not this the craziest thing and like wwe not referencing it at all because they barely want to talk about it because they don't want to make make it a problem but um yeah i mean it seems like it's i don't know we get daily updates from our prime minister i don't know um i don't I don't follow, you know, the U S stuff all that much other than they have the most cases in the world now, which, um, is not surprising, I guess, but, um, it's, um, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. And we're seeing, we'll get into the news a bit later, but, um, we saw, I mean, based on Disney's bullish kind of schedule that they've kept or moved to, you kind of have an idea when, some of these studios think that theaters might be back open, but I mean, there's a lot to happen in between then. And a lot has changed even in these four weeks that we've been home. So, um, and it keeps so changing, knows, but like, that's um, the other thing. Yeah, we're, like we're, it just, you know, yeah. daily, hourly, you know, by the half an hour, like it, it just keeps changing and you have to adapt to it, you know? And, and that's, that's tough. Change is, is hard for people in general. But having to change constantly and and you know on a regular basis that's that's another thing entirely, yeah, but for now, holding down the fort at home um updates from my end uh uh animal crossing still going strong a little less now they have this event called Bunny Day. Um, cause I don't know why I guess they don't want to call it Easter for if you're not religious or something um but that took over Animal Crossing, which was frustrating. The internet was ablaze because they introduced this bunny who came in and was like, hey, collect fucking Easter eggs and craft stuff and I'll give you a special prize. And then everything you did in that game was just Easter eggs everywhere. And I'm like, I don't, I don't there's fucking eggs everywhere. I don't want to do this. So I played it a little bit less over the last, you know, week or so since we last talked. But, um, been playing some other games and stuff i mean i think i said i beat the last of us when we talked last time right and then uh final fantasy 7 remake comes out uh this but the weekend, last of so us 2 has been moved right um 
Yeah, there's a, a big piece of news. I mean, not movie news, so we can talk about it now. But yeah, that was a big thing that hit another industry. If we're talking about my video game update in in at the beginning here, is like, yeah, it's starting to hit. It's not starting to hit. It's affected obviously other industries, especially in the entertainment industry. But um, yeah, Last of Us Two, uh, which was supposed to come out May twenty first or twenty eighth or something like that, um, got delayed indefinitely. So the game was pretty much done. Um, I heard that, or I was reading, some people reported that the game just maybe had a few more bugs that they had to, you know, fix, but it was pretty much ready to go. Um, But Sony was the one who uh, delayed it because of, you know, everything going on. They couldn't guarantee um, that they could ship the game everywhere. Right. So I think that was the biggest issue was logistics when it came to um, shipping the games to people, shipping them to stores with the store, a lot of the stores not being opened. Um, And it looks like it'll be that into May. Uh, We talked last week that they announced in Toronto. I think we talked about this, that they announced that all events into did we talk it might about have been that? after again, you know, after? things are changing everything so in- rapidly that you can't keep everything yeah. straight, right? Yeah, because we talked about TIFF stay at home cinema, but then uh Toronto announced that basically all public events to until Canada Day, July first, um are are cancelled. So that's giving you sort of a time frame, maybe, but again it changes. Um so yeah, last of us into May delayed indefinitely and like uh, neil Druckmann, who is the co-director of the game and he's one of the producers on the tv series and things like that and the writer um he came out and was just like yeah i mean it's pretty much done but it, it was out of our hands like we can't really like what we're seeing right now with final fantasy 7 like i mentioned is um they had to ship it early because they needed to make sure that they were going to get it to everyone so some places like in australia and different places in the world got the game like almost two weeks before everyone else just because of how shipping is working in different countries um and i think with something like the last of us which is they want to make sure they have that global launch because they don't want to risk spoilers getting out or people getting their hands on the game early or other people getting delayed. Uh, and I know we're living in a mostly digital world, but you can't expect also that everyone has, you know, the internet speeds and bandwidth and storage on their consoles to have a completely digital launch for it. Um, although I would welcome that. Um, but yeah, it got delayed indefinitely, man, which is a huge bummer. But I mean, it's par for the course yep. with everything. The right Last now. of Us Part Two so, and the New Mutants. Um, <laughs> new Mutants just not getting a date. We'll talk about that in a sec too. But um, that's really really funny. But yeah, uh, Last of Us Part Two and Iron Man VR both got delayed indefinitely. So. Um, hoping it won't be too long of a delay or they change their mind to go, you know what, we'll release it digitally and then we'll put out the disc later for anyone who wants it. But if anything, they could probably double dip from a lot of people that way. Um, I mean, thinking of it from a business perspective, which right now no one should be thinking from that kind of perspective, but um, if they really wanted to, they could probably release it digitally, but I, I can't see that happening. So my theory now is that, or I think Tim Gettys from Kind of Funny tweeted this out being like, and I, I agreed being like, I think the PlayStation 5 is supposed to launch this year in November. 
Um, who knows if that even happens, but if it does, then maybe you hold it until then. And then that way you can have it launch on PS five and PS four. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bummer, but it is what it is. Um, uh, well, uh, the reason why I didn't join you on, uh, Saturday is because I watched Part Tarkovsky's one. Solaris, uh, for the first time since film school. A movie that's uh, 163 oh, wow. minutes long. Um, I've been meaning to uh, have, have go back into his career. His birthday was uh, a couple days ago. Um, I really uh, love Stalker and and uh, Solaris quite a bit, but it had been a while, and I and I missed also the the TIFF retrospective uh, because of work. So um, I went in watching this, and this was released in 72 so you know a couple years three a few years after um 2001 and you can see that there there are some influences there but it also very much feels close to you know mario bava's planet of the vampires and specifically like you you can tell even alien obviously was inspired a little bit with the kind of lived in quality of, you know, these scientists and crew members working in this facility um, that they're quarantined in basically because they've discovered this organism and this, this one scientist has to investigate it. So it's basically this one guy kind of slowly but surely losing his mind in an existential crisis um, that combines both Again, like the kind of heady quality of 2001, but then also the kind of more genre elements of something like Alien that would come afterwards. And and again, it's very uh, existential and cerebral in its style of filmmaking, but definitely worth uh, checking out, especially now, because I mean, if you have, you know, three, three and a half hours to, to watch something like this, you'll be completely sucked in it. But also at the same time, it takes a lot out of you. And I just felt completely drained by the end of it. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, like that it's, it's a, a very overwhelming experience, but in, in a way that great cinema should be. And, um, I think it's, I think it's a great film. I think the only thing that hurts it is I would have liked to have seen it on a big screen. Like it feels like one of those movies that would benefit because I've never seen it on the big screen. I've only ever watched it in a film class and, and and at home. So I feel like something like 2001, when I watched that on a big screen for the first time, it had a new meaning and new depth added to it. And, and you can tell that like that's the kind of movie that would benefit watching it on, you know, a 50 foot screen. Yeah, and I, I've never seen it actually, but um, I wanted to, and I wanted to go to that TIFF retrospective because I feel like it is one of those movies I probably should try to see in a you theater. You would take it. I mean, I it, like it, it is slow, and there are might, times where you, yeah. and I think it's deliberately so, where you feel like you're kind of going in and out of consciousness or at least focus with the film. And I think that again is deliberate because you're kind of right on this weird long journey with the character in a situation that is kind of basically like a purgatory. And so all of that really works. And there's, yeah. a, there's a, there's a bit of a kind of like a, a romanticism of it, but that was kind of really emphasized in the Soderbergh remake from, I think it was 2003 or 2004 that was produced by 
James Cameron and stars George Clooney, that. and they kind of made it more almost of like a, a mystery romance kind of thing, where this is more again yeah. sci-fi heavy. Um, I'd like to rewatch the Soderbergh movie. I, I remember kind of being excited about that film because of James Cameron's name being attached to it as as a producer. Yes, yes. I watched it at my uh, Uncle Mark's house at his uh, big home theater, I remember, um, probably 10 or so years ago. Um, but I remember digging the at least the Soderbergh version. But yeah, I've always wanted to go back and watch it. And um, just, you know, me with, you know, trying to, in my giant backlog of classics that I need to watch, then I just need to muster up the energy to do it. Um, and it, Lightbox is a great place for that. Hopefully when they get back up and running, they'll have a lot of good, you know, stuff playing. But uh, for me, or yeah, anything I mean, I, you I, had more, I, obviously. I have reviews up right now for uh, Resistance, which is the Marcel Marceau um, biopic about a uh, French-Polish mime who helps the French resistance um, smuggle uh, Jewish children, the the, the kinder uh, children from uh, Nazi occupied France into Switzerland, and on paper, like it sounds like that kind of award baity biopic with Jesse Eisenberg as uh, Marcel, and physically he's he's perfectly cast, but as soon as he starts talking with that Parisian accent. Oh boy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. the walk signals started coming through. <laughs> it's just like, why do you have to cast? Like, I, I guess because it's name recognition, but it's like nothing against Jesse Eisenberg. I, I, I like him, but it, it's like it kind of hurts the movie overall. And and it's like, well, it's more distracting right. than it is helpful. And it's an interesting story. But I was thinking the whole time, like, I rather see the documentary version of this than like a kind of you know, overly directed, overly stylized, manipulative, life is beautiful-esque drama that doesn't really work. Um, and then a movie that I really liked that I would highly recommend people check out if, if they're looking for something that's kind of off the beaten trail is Baccarat, the uh, Brazilian Western, um, which is, you know, one part neo uh, Western in the vein of like a Sam Peckinpah or John Ford kind of mixed together. And then it's also kind of a social political drama with this small town called Baccarat on off the beaten path. And specifically there's a kind of funny meta in joke that, you know, uh, when things start going wrong for this small town before it becomes a siege movie, uh, Baccarat is kind of wiped off the map or it's, it's not existed or it's not there anymore. And, it's funny because it's a fictional town to begin with. So when, you know, everybody's looking for it on, you know, their iPads, they're, they're, they, they can't seem to find it. And I thought that was kind of an interesting kind of meta uh, joke for, for the film, but it is super violent, really strange. And there are moments in it where I was like, Tarantino would love this film and would be jealous at the same time with the kind of almost spaghetti Western style that's been implemented in there. It is extremely violent. Uh, and Udo Kier plays one of the uh, European hunters that comes along because it basically becomes the hunt. It's a kind of most dangerous game kind of situation where it's like these hunters from America and Europe, 
you know, come to hunt, uh, South Americans or, or, or um, yeah, South Americans in, in Brazil. And watching that, you're just like, wow, this is also, again, uh, you know, a metaphor for European and American colonialism, but it, it's not doing it in a way that's kind of like preachy. It's just kind of showing you like a fun, pulpy, uh, exploitation film, but also has a little bit more meat on its bones. And so if you're interested in something a little that – you have to t- – it takes its time setting up and, and sort of setting the stage for it. But once you get into the story, it is uh, a total blast. It's it's a fun film. I do want to watch it. Um, cool. I do want to watch it. Um, it's available on – sorry, I'm getting feedback. Let me turn it on, down a little bit. Can you hear me now? Um. I, can you hear me? Can I hear me? Nope. I think you're good. I can kind of right. hear myself. Yeah. That's all right. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah, it's available on Kino Marquee, and you can support theaters like the uh, Film Region Toronto and uh, the Fox, which if you buy a ticket, it's $12. Half of that ticket goes back to the theater. <clears throat> cool. Um. Yeah, I do want to check it out, so I need to look at one of those services. So, um, I'm going to try your headphones not working. It's because uh, when I was talking before, Siri went off and it went off in my phone. So, I'm going to try to turn them on again. So, you start talking while I put them on. Cool. Um, I watched a couple different movies this week, so I've upped my game a little bit in April already. Um, I watched uh, the first Trolls movie. Um, which for the first time uh, skipped it in theaters. All I do remember is that Justin Timberlake song. Um, uh, And uh, you know what? I had a good time with it. You know, it was totally fine. Uh, Nevis and I watched it and um, I, cause I knew the second one was coming out and I'd never seen it. So I remember I had some trolls dolls when I was a kid. Um, Mike Mitchell, who directed Wreck It uh, Ralph, yeah, correct? And then, well, one of them also the same did, guy? Uh, or am I, I interviewed them uh, for Trolls, and uh, they also did Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. And we are back, officially night two of the uh, Untitled Movie Podcast. Yes, uh, for you guys, it was instantaneously. For Eric and I, we called it quits last night. Uh, we just could not figure out what the hell was going on. So here we are. We're back. How are you doing? Well, I'm going to let the listener in on this. This is not only night two for us, but this is night two, part two. As, take two. Uh, yeah. Take two, as we recorded... Uh, a previous uh, intro for part two and it failed. Yeah, we sure did. And I didn't even check my settings, but I sound okay. Yeah. You sound great. Great. Fantastic. Eric, what have you been up to since the 24 hours since I last spoke to you? Absolutely nothing. Good. All right, let's move on. <laughs> no, uh, I forget where we were, what we were talking about yesterday. I think we were still in what we've been watching. I think I was... Uh, trying to tell you what i watched uh this last week when everything went to hell um but uh, i think we were talking about the first trolls movie uh, after mentioning uh trolls world tour coming out uh this weekend um yeah nevis and i watched uh the first 
uh, Trolls movie, and I quite enjoyed it. I mean, it's a, a decent kids movie, in my opinion. Relies heavily on you know licensed music and different things like that. Um, but I love its color palette. I thought it was a good message for kids, and um, uh, I'm actually kind of low key looking forward to World Tour this weekend. So. Um, you know, Anna Kendrick, Justin Timberlake killing it. Um, I could do without, uh, James Corden, but, uh, overall, oh, now we got some dogs in the background. Everything all right. Those would be, those would be my dogs. Yes. Uh, Boris and George are making a cameo. Sweet. Uh, but yeah, I actually kind of, um, enjoyed the first trolls movie. Yeah. Like I, I just remember that song being everywhere a few years ago and then I never bothered to, uh, watch the movie, but, um, Nevis cried three times. So um, that's an actual thing that happens. So if that's not saying anything, that means it's, you know, Trolls, the most emotional movie of the year. Yes. Uh, or of, I or thought it, two years ago. <laughs> two years ago, 2017. I thought it was okay. Weird. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I didn't its, love it. It has, okay. its mo- it has its moments. I think my favorite character was the Cloud character. Yes, um, a thousand percent. Who is voiced by one of the directors. You can actually, if you want to, go back and onto Rogers TV and watch my interview with the directors of the first film uh, where I wear a troll wig. Oh, very nice. Did you have trolls when you were a kid? Uh, No. I mean, I I knew people who had them, but I didn't have that nostalgic point of view of it. all I remember really from it was uh yeah, so Mike Mitchell and 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 Walt Dorn uh were the co-directors of Trolls and Walt Dorn has returned for part two. Um uh or Trolls World Tour. But yeah, no, I I never really had any of those as 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 toys or or, or really knew anybody who had them. I, I mean I'd see them on like, you know, TV advertisements in the nineties and and things like that. But like my, my toys were always, and they were kind of like the weird, creepy toys. Like, do you remember those um, trash bag monsters where like, you'd put like this, like trash bag in the water Uh, and then it would dissolve. No, no, no. Garbage pail kids are different. So these are like trash pail or these are like trash monsters or garbage monsters where they're in like a garbage bag, but to get them, you have to put them in warm water and they dissolve. And then the creature is like a plastic toy inside. Okay. I sort of remember stuff like that, but I don't know if I had a garbage like toy. I'm going to, uh, I'll send you a link as we're, as we're talking about this, because this Sweet. was like, please do full on nostalgia. Um, yeah, I just, I remember having some trolls dolls as a kid. So I love the opening moment when they're in that troll tree or whatever. And they're, it's the OG toy that's in there, little Easter egg. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was cute. I don't know, like uh, pretty harmless, um, and pretty in, mildly enjoyable. Like I, a good, decent middle of the road kids movie. Like, I don't think it's on obviously Pixar levels of good or anything, but, um, I enjoyed it. And I think, uh, I, I dug the trailer for trolls world tour before, uh, both my screenings of cats in late 2019. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll watch world tour this weekend. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch it for, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking for it now. So it's called, uh, trash bag bunch. <laughs> what the fuck? We had the weirdest toys in the nineties, the trash yeah. bag bunch. Yeah, t- so just type that in, and 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 you'll you'll either know it or you won't. 
and uh, they were really weird. But it kind of reminded me of that a little bit, like the original Trolls. Okay, okay. And they came in trash bags, and you had to, like, melt them in water? Yeah, so it was kind of like, you know, how you, like, as kids as well, we would get, like, those, like, foam dinosaurs, dinosaur and you put yeah, them in exactly. the water, and then they'd they expand. This was the opposite. You'd throw this in uh, warm water, and the trash bag would dissolve, and inside there'd be, like, a, a small figurine, and it's usually, like, a, a creature or a robot of some sort, and there's a bunch of them. Like, I think there's, like, 50 or something like that different creature designs but i always remember loving those things as a kid and they were just like really weird looking and off-putting but great as well when are we getting a uh, trash bag bunch movie matt that is a good question i think that that's uh something the studios should look into once we get back to to a regular routine i think that's the first movie <laughs> that should be greenlit i agree trash bag uh, also- bunch the movie <laughs> I love it. Um, I also watched uh, your best film of the decade, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I know. Uh, Three stars, Matt. Three stars. So the same rating I gave Trolls. (laughs) You you truly are a trash bag monster. Or a troll. Yeah. Uh, Choose choose whatever you want. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I... I'm fine with Mad Max Fury Road. I've seen it three times now, twice in color, once in black and white. And um, I don't understand why people love it, but I did enjoy it more this time around, if that makes sense. So I bumped up my rating from a two and a half to a three. Um, and Get out of I, here. I... I just never understood the hype for it. And like, I think it's a technical feat. It's, it's impressive, but um, uh, it's repetitive and gets kind of boring near the end because it's just the same thing for two hours. And um, I think it's gorgeous. And uh, again, the practical stunts in that movie are, are mind blowing. And I do like uh, a few of the sequences, but um I don't know. Like it's ridiculous. And I was like partly stoned this time. And it wasn't like that. I guess why it was a little bit better, but um, it does look great in 4k. I'll give it that Dolby vision. The Dolby Atmos soundtrack uh, was great. Um, And I, I I think the movie is fine. I just don't love it. And I still don't love it. Um, So I don't know. That's my thoughts on Mad Max Fury road, but um so yeah, I don't know if I talked about it because we were on such a large gap, but now I rewatched both my favorite film of the past decade and your favorite film of the past decade. So I got those out of the way because I watched Social Network. Uh, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the show, but uh, rewatched it. I think it holds up and is even better now than it was 10 years ago. And I think it's one of Fincher's best movies. And I just, I, I think it's, it, that decade I think is almost defined by that movie and kind of where we are today. And I just think it's super, super, super excellent. So that wasn't in the past week, but I did watch that uh, recently and I wasn't sure if I talked about that. Um, And then I watched um, a couple episodes of McMillions on HBO. Um, So I think we're Nevis. Are we two or three episodes in third episode? The third episode we finished last night. Um, Really enjoying it. Uh, the lead, uh, one of the lead FBI agents in it is quite the character. Um, I can definitely see why they've been trying to make this into, you know, a feature. 
Um, a Ben story... Affleck directed feature. Yeah, and um, the story is is quite something. And um, I mean, it's maybe not as out there as something like Tiger King, but I think it's still in that territory of like, you're not going to believe all the stuff or all the people who are involved in this and how crazy this story gets um, and how fixed this McDonald's monopoly game was for quite a while. Um, But yeah, we're four episodes in and I'm really, really digging it. And um, we're kind of on after Tiger King, a little bit of a dock, um, kick right now so uh if you have any other suggestions after we finish this eric we might move on to something else too yeah i i mean are should i ask you the question now are you loving it uh i i don't know if i'm loving it but it's really really good and i got the pun or the joke uh but i think it's it's solid and entertaining it's a very very entertaining doc so far right well, I mean, there's a lot of Earl Morris documentaries that are are worth checking out that if you're into the kind of, you know, idiosyncratic uh, character studies that are more focused on the individual or the personality than, you know, the story per se, or, or a plot, or that's not necessarily about something that's uh, of global or social um, uh, status, then, you know, like... Uh, Gates of Heaven and things like that and the Thin Blue Line are, are movies that are very much centered around sort of, you know, unique characters. And and I and we you've seen it, but I always talk about it and it was in my uh favorite films of the decade is The Imposter, which I think is one of those movies yeah. where it's just like it's it, you can't believe how crazy this all is and how like this mystery unfolding in front of you actually happen like it seems like it would be something written in you know uh a hollywood feature film and that's the other thing i mean i i'm probably the only person that hasn't watched tiger king yet and i'm gonna try to get to it this week um but like the idea of people talking about like oh who would you cast in you know the 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 feature version or you know like who would be the best actor to play this part it it's kind of it's it's fun to do that especially right now in terms of speculation and i'm sure we'll we'll get one of those movies but at the same time it's like the documentary already exists and it kind of feels like a slap in the face to the documentary filmmakers who spent you know months years no you know the the time that they needed to get this thing made and then all of a sudden it's like okay well this isn't a real movie this is like a template for the the film that i want to see starring you know this person or that person in this role and it's kind of i i always kind of find that a little weird i don't know how you feel about that but yeah i mean i i don't know you know i'm i'm one to always kind of defend to try to reach other audiences that may not necessarily be interested in something i know tiger king was a phenomenon and and um i think they probably also want to capitalize on that but like i see the appeal of narratives based on documentaries but it's the same kind of thing that i i think we feel from you know uh, making an english language remake of a foreign film and different things like that like the original thing already exists it's the real life story with the real life people so why not watch that um, yeah, so and especially kinda, if it's I, a documentary too, because like you know, I mean, obviously some documentaries are also uh, in other languages, but it's like 
you have it all there. And then if you're going to make like the, the movie version of it that stars Hollywood actors, there's something that gets lost in that adaptation. Cause e- even though you're, you're still making, uh, you know, movies in the same medium, there, there's something different about it, right? Where it kind of feels like it's all for show if you're doing a, a feature film adaptation. Um, if things didn't need to be more apocalyptic, it started hailing in Toronto right now. <laughs> so uh, probably some lightning and some hail. So that's fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally see where you're, what you're saying there. And, and I, I, I don't disagree with it, although I'm pretty open to like, ah, eh, fuck it. If they want to turn it into a movie, go for it. Who cares? Um, and I think a lot of times those things can be fun, but or interesting for maybe someone who doesn't want to watch a six hour documentary. But um, yeah, I, I think with tiger King, my, I'm curious to see what you think, because like I, the more, I just feel like he is a horrible person. And a lot of the people in that doc are horrible people. And I just feel like it kind of turns it more into a joke and he's become more of like a meme and stuff like that. And like, you know, Netflix post his sing along music video on their YouTube page and things like that. And I'm just like, this guy did some like legitimately like bad, like horrible things. And you're kind of just turning this into a, you know, ha ha, this is fun. Everyone make Tiger King jokes. And I'm like, a mass marketing like, machine. Yeah. And this is like real shit that happened. And like the way he treated these animals, the, some of the other, even like arguably even worse things that he's accused of and, 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 and things like that. So it's just, or things that he had done. Like, I just, I don't get the like, Oh, this is hilarious. Let's make fun of this. Um, uh, kind of part of the internet culture that I just don't love what that's turned into, but yeah. Um, and, and, and I, part I of enjoy- that as well, I just want to say is part of that as well is almost like you feel better making fun of somebody that you feel superior to. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, as long as the person is below me, I can laugh at their expense and I can get away with that because I'm not that person or, or I'm better than that person. Yeah. So anyways, I, I I enjoyed Tiger King for the most part, but I feel like it kind of wore thin near the end and um, and just kind of the way that the filmmakers and the internet has kind of positioned it all. I just don't really love. So um, well, aren't they adding million, a new episode too? Uh, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't love stuff like that either. Like if you're finished, you're finished unless I guess it'll be like maybe a, a, a special rather than like adding an episode or, or they'll just add an episode. Cause you know, television and movies now just get downloadable updates <laughs> like video games <laughs> or something. But, um, well, we'll be know. talking a little bit more about that, uh, uh coming up after, uh, the, what we've been watching with, uh, QB. Uh, Quibi. Oh, Quibi. Yeah, Quibi, yeah. Quibi. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much what I've been watching. I mean, you know, the usual week to week stuff like better call Saul, which is, um, still excellent. Like really, really good at last week, not the episode that aired last night, um, during part one of this podcast, but the episode the week before, um, I think like, I, I'm just amazed at how they've been able to take a, a prequel, um, for a character that, you know, was a, a side character and an important side character in breaking bad and kind of flesh out this very, very excellent drama from it. And, um, uh, like, and, and just 
you, I didn't know I needed more of um, Mike Ehrmantraut and Gus Gustavo Fring and like all of their backstories because you know how all that shit ends. But there's so much there that kind of ties into elements of Breaking Bad and then some things that you just never have heard of. And just, I, it's a really, really, really good drama. And it's, it's, uh, I'm amazed that it, it's, you know, just a prequel to Breaking Bad essentially. So, um, it's really good, and I can't wait to watch the new episode that is uh, aired last night. It's the Frasier of our time. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> is uh, – I mean, honestly, you you have some kind of a point there that I, I don't disagree with, right? Like, well, no, I, I mean, it is. I mean, when you go back and look at Cheers, I mean, Frasier Crane kind of was a side-supporting character – who is basically the butt of most jokes of being this elitist type entering, uh, you know, this, this kind of blue collar bar. And it's like, oh, I don't want to spend time with him. And then, you know, in between that, he popped up a couple of times as that character, I think on wings and then uh, eventually had his own show. And like Frazier is became its own thing. Right. And even bigger than cheers at, at one point. So, and you forget, I always forget that Frazier is a spinoff of cheers. Yeah, like I continuously forget until someone brings it up. Um, Nevis, you just have a workbench in the middle of your bathroom. (laughs) I'm watching Nevis play Animal Crossing. Um, But yeah, Better Call Saul, excellent. Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, very very good. Um, They had the recent episode had uh, Bradley Whitford come back, um, and uh, Nevis, who was the actor that played um, Jake's grandpa? We were talking about him. Martin Mull. Yeah. Is it Martin Mull, Eric? Yeah. Martin Mull? Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it. I'm pretty sure he played Jake's grandpa on... Uh, yeah, Martin Mull. Um, played Jake's grandpa on the last episode, and it was, it was very, very good. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, killing it still. Um, Eric, did, yes. you, did we miss anything that you watched that we – I know we jumped back and forth between what you were watching and what I was watching. No, I, I, I think I covered everything. So Baccarat is now available uh, online through uh, Kino Marquee and the Fox Theater. Resistance is on iTunes if you want to watch that. Um, uh we talked about Digimon last week, so I've got this weird <laughs> I've got this weird craving now to watch um Dragon Ball Z Evolution because I never saw that in theaters. So Which is the mo- oh god. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. <laughs> it's so bad. Because I was in college um, at that point and I missed it theatrically. So I worked I was working at the cinemas when it came out, and I remember being excited for it when it got announced. And then it has Two actors from Shameless, right? They're both from yeah. Shameless. Or, yeah, yeah. Or they went uh, on to Chat- Shameless after. Justin Chatwin and Emmy Rossum. And then it also has James uh, Marston's, um from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, who played Spike, who plays Piccolo. So I'm, I'm very tempted in a morbid kind of curiosity kind of way to check that out. It's horrible. I know. Um Okay, let's move on to staying at home. Eric, got any um, physical picks this week? Little Women, which is now available on Blu-ray. Noise. Matt's favorite movie? No, uh, no, just Blu-ray. I I thought it was fine. Uh, No 4K. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Uh, it's all good. I mean, that – 
cover art is still the worst. Is it just that uh, photo of Saoirse Ronan by herself? Yeah, with a beach in the background. Yes, yeah. I have the... <laughs> so, um, if you guys want the digital version, it's fourteen ninety nine, and it is in 4K with Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. That's probably um, your best bet, then. Uh, for 15 bucks, which is really, really good. So I'll make that one of my picks this week, you know, even though, uh, as Eric joked, I didn't love it, but for $15 in 4k, pretty sweet deal. Um, portrait of a lady on fire is available now. Um, also for $15 that came out, I think last week. Yes. Um, but again, a really good price, 15 bucks for that, which is something I do want to watch. So I might pick that up. I think it's also available for rent for like $6 or so um, right now. Um, there's some, ooh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, $8 each. Free Willy, $8. <laughs> I'm just going through <laughs> iTunes right now. I haven't seen Free Willy in forever. And I remember loving that movie as a kid. And you know who plays the uh, the dad? Michael Madsen. Oh, God. Yeah, Michael Madsen. Yeah, amazing. In his um, uh, his most family friendly role. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Uh, what else do we got here that I haven't suggested before? I think I mentioned Ready or Not last week. Um, it's for ten dollars. Uh, Leon the Professional. Um, eight dollars in four K. Uh, Labyrinth. Eight dollars in four K. Wizard of Oz. Ten dollars in four K. Um, Eric's favorite movie of all time, playing with fire, ten dollars in four K. Yes, uh, <laughs> why wasn't that talked about on uh, uh WWE Wrestling, on the yeah. Firefly uh, Funhouse Fun show? House. I I think they probably would have gone through some of his movie stuff, but they probably couldn't have gotten the rights to any of it, right? That's true. I'm assuming. Um, uh, WWE has that. Uh, partnership with Netflix right now. So I don't know if they would, I I mean, all those WWE films that were coming out on VOD, who even distributed those, whatever Lionsgate. I, I guess it just depends on the company um, because like the Marine was uh Fox. So right back when they were kind of getting theatrical releases, right? Yeah. Or like did the first Marine, I, I can't remember, but anyways, those yeah, are the my first Marine got week. a theatrical um, release. Yeah. And then nothing after that. It chapter two. I think I mentioned that last week, 10 bucks, pretty good deal. Um, but that's it on my end. Uh, trailers, Eric, did you watch any trailers this week? There hasn't really been much, right? Like, Oh, I did watch. If you want to talk about it, did you watch the Chris Hemsworth um, extraction trailer extraction trailer? Yeah, I sure did. All right, there we go. We got some talking yep, we trailers got this week. <laughs> Um, the only studio releasing movies, I guess, kind of, uh, Netflix released a new trailer for the Russo brother produced film extraction starring Chris Hemsworth. It's directed by the guy who was the visionary visionaries. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was well, directed it, though by the, the thing I laughed at the most though. of Avengers. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Oh no, that was the thing I laughed at though with the 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 credit or the title credit from the visionary directors of Avengers Infinity uh War and Endgame. It's like you just drop the the visionary thing. Well, yeah. Like it's just you're you're setting yourself up for the joke. Yeah, I mean it's overdone for one. Yes, I agree. 
Um, you could have just said from the directors of Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War, or from the producers, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I I can definitely see the influences of. Um, I mean, this guy was yeah the stunt coordinator for Chris Evans or Captain America, I think. Um, leading up from probably uh, Winter Soldier onward, um, it's his directorial debut. I should probably find his name because this is the thing with movies it's like Sam. This. Have- um, oh, I'm just looking it up now for you. Because I-, I hate when we go, oh, you know, Jordan Peele, because he produced uh, Candyman. That's who everyone references. It's Sam Hargrave. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. And he was Chris Evans, um, I think, either stunt double or stunt coordinator. But uh, he's directing Extraction. I watched the trailer today, too. I don't know, man. I'm in. I'll watch this. <laughs> I, yeah. I um, mean, it, it looks like a fun, you know, like the this is this is now the fast and furious movie where it's like the summer is here extraction (laughs) yes i I mean i was you can tell the influences of that you know civil war kind of captain america style you know like the raid or the born movies kind of style of um fight sequences but um this looks like it got a hell of a budget i'm sure they threw a lot at at the russos because they were the ones producing it and they they handpicked this guy or they must believe in him. They've worked with him for a while. And I mean, I think they put out solid work in the MCU and, and you have Thor star- starring in this thing. So like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for this. Cause I, it's the exact type of movie Harbor. that David Harbor. Yeah, too. yeah. David Harbor. Yeah. So you got two MCU alums in there. And I mean, because of things like, you know, Black Widow moving out and Fast and Furious, like you mentioned, like, I think people will be, you know, craving a mindless action movie like this, that um, I think it's coming out at the right time. And I think it probably will be a big hit for Netflix. I don't know, quality wise, like, they don't have the best track record when it comes to this stuff. But I did like, um, God, why am I uh, dropping the ball? The Ben Affleck, uh, Oscar Isaac, uh uh, triple frontier was, triple frontier was one of my favorite movies of the year last year and i couldn't remember the name right now um so you know i'll, I'll i'm down i think it uh, looks kind of fun yeah i mean it, it looks like it'll be a, a movie that you'll kind of get lost in for a couple of hours i'm just looking something up right now because it reminded oh here it is so it basically reminded me of uh another netflix movie that was released uh, last year with uh, uh, Nomi Rapace called Close. And it's about a mm-hmm. counterterrorism expert who has to uh, extract a young heiress uh, out of a country um, from being assassinated. Okay. Did you watch that or no? I did. It was terrible. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the issue, right? Like the track record there is not super great when it comes to their action stuff or their kind of mindless stuff. Like, again, they, they perform pretty well when it comes to, you know, Oscar season the last couple of years, but, uh, that stuff they put out for the rest of the year, although they have a stacked lineup this year. So I'd be curious to see if they shift any of that stuff around to try and get some of it out earlier while everyone's kind of chilling at home. And they're the only ones that you know, maybe have the means to just put out one of those big movies. Like, I don't know what the dates were for, you know, the Spike Spike Lee movie and all the other stuff that they have this year. Um, I know they'll probably still hold a lot of it for whatever festival season ends up being come, you know, September, October. Um, 
but it'll be curious to see what their slate looks like. Cause they haven't even dated something like, um, the, the lovebirds, Love right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, I mean, they could also pick up more movies in the coming months based on schedules being continually postponed or delayed or pushed to the next year where you could see, you know, other studios that they've worked with before, like universal or paramount sort sort of taking their mid to lower level movies that, and I don't mean that as like, you know, their, their quality. I just mean like budget wise movies that, you know, they could afford to give to Netflix and let them play internationally or, you know, worldwide, um, the way yeah, that like I, Annihilation or Uncut Gems did even. I could see that happening because, I mean, the further, the longer this goes on, the more crowded the end of the year and even next year is going to be, right? So if you have one of those movies, those kind of, um, you know, B, B-tier movies, comedies, action movies, or, or whatever that might have made, you know, 15 to 30 million dollars opening weekend if you're uh, at the high end um then maybe you're better off selling it to netflix right yeah and just recoup the cost and then release it that way like i like i feel like that's partly why we haven't you know i mean and it's it's also just scheduling and logistics and looking into that stuff i mean you know this better than anybody because of of advertising and 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 marketing and and social media that you have to you know release something at the best time or you know the opportune moment so with the lovebirds i feel like we'll see a a, a little bit more of that as as it comes along and i i wouldn't be surprised if the lovebirds is probably a may or june release but um yeah, I could see in the coming months that, you know, oh, this movie is going to be a partnership with Netflix. Like, even something like the SpongeBob film, which has been moved now to the end of July, I could see them kind of, you know, hedging their bets or cutting that cost and being like, okay, well, you know, this isn't going to work. Like, it's not going to come out at the end of July. So let's, you know, work with Netflix the way that we did with Cloverfield Paradox or something like that. So, yeah, it'll be really um, fascinating to see how some of that nets out. We do have some, uh, I mean, we can move right into the news now. Um, Unless you had another, did you watch any other trailers? I watched the trailers, uh, the trailer for Tales from the Loop, which is now available on Amazon. Um, uh, Really dug the trailer. I put on like the opening moments of the first episode and it looks gorgeous. And um, uh, I haven't watched it, I think a full series on Amazon Prime, but uh, I definitely want to check this out. I kind of dug it. Were you able to check it out, Eric, or you did? Yeah. I mean, I saw the trailer and and I agree and I'm, I'm, interested in, in 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 watching it but with series it's so it, again it's so strange with with how i watch tv because i usually watch yeah. them in one long go and try to get through it all and then it's like i go between something i haven't seen and then something i watch i have seen before and then something i haven't seen so uh like right now i'm going through twin peaks again because it's the 30th anniversary coming up and i just really love the show um so probably tiger king or 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 this will be the next thing that i that i watch um moving on yeah i mean i i'm just 
I've been brutal with keeping up with series. Cause like, again, even from filmmakers that I really love, like Nicholas winding Refn with too old to die young, um, just haven't really gotten through that yet. I tried that first couple episodes and I just wasn't in the mood for it or something. Uh, the Carrie Fukunaga series that was, um, maniac, uh, yeah. maniac that was on Netflix. I've been with like Jonah Hill and, and Emma stone, like two huge stars. And I just, haven't got around to that yet either. So, I mean, there's Westworld, which I've talked about that I want to get back into. And, um, I mean, there's just so, so much, uh, and so that's that why I love Watchmen even more. Like yeah, Watchmen agree, made me a, a, like the set rewatching it recently. Like it doesn't feel like a TV series. It just feels like a nine hour film. Yeah. Um, I mean too much content, uh, that can lead directly into our first story. Uh, yeah. Quibi, launched yesterday april 6th uh if you're not familiar with quibi it is a new streaming service that you can uh only get on your mobile device i don't know if it's available on ipad or or tablets or anything but um the the way it's set up is that uh they have a ton of content on there and each episode can only be viewed on mobile so they don't have any television apps or anything like that and every episode is under 10 minutes long and new episodes are coming out daily for all their different shows that they have and things like that. So um, they have some pretty big names in some of the series that they have. Like they have um, uh, Punked with uh, Chance the Rapper. I put on Most Dangerous Game, which had uh, the other Hemsworth or one of the other Hemsworths, uh, Liam Hemsworth, Liam? as well as uh, Christoph Waltz. Uh, and I watched half of the first episode, so only about you know, three and a half minutes. Um, and I just, I, I didn't get it. And I'm just like, why, why would anyone kind of want this? Um, but then they have, uh, I mean, they have tons of people. Will Forte's in a series on there. Um, God, what was this other one? Uh, what's her name from game of Thrones? Uh, oh, Sophie Turner. Uh, Sophie Thank you, Turner the, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I, can't fathom wanting like how do you get enough from seven minutes in an episode and i have to kind of go in and maybe watch a bit more and maybe i'll report back next week because they have a 90 day trial so you get it for free for three months at least um and i think it's the worst possible time to launch this thing too because their whole you know shtick was you don't have enough time because you're always on the go traveling to work or or you have maybe a 10 minute break uh, while you're pooping at work or something like that, or um, and you just want to watch one episode of something, but 23 minutes or 22 minutes is too long. So w- why not give it to you? You know, essentially they're just probably going to take you know 20 something minute episodes and split it up into three, 21 minute episodes and split it up into three. And um, I don't know. It's just like when there's so much out there right now, I just can't fathom being like, oh, can't wait to see what fucking happens next on this Quibi show. Um, in seven minute installments. So um, I don't know, Eric, you, we were talking a bit over text and you don't even have an interest to even look right. Not in the slightest. I mean, you know, taking a dump and watching Christoph Waltz hunt Liam Hemsworth kind of sounds fun, but in terms of watching a seven minute video or clip, I rather just watch 
you know, rent YouTube on YouTube, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like my, my pooping watching is, is YouTube or I mean, even non pooping watching is YouTube, but like, I just can't fathom. Like I'd rather watch an episode of good mythical morning, which is usually, you know, 15 minutes long or something from mythical kitchen, or maybe a, a kind of funny video or something like that. Um, in my, when I don't have, you know, an hour or two hours to sit down and watch, watch a a, a film or or an episode of a drama or something like that yeah and that that's even the like i know there's like game shows and stuff like that as well on 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 the service but like i i don't want to watch an episode of a show that might have been rejected from you know a network television uh studio and then just you know picked up for this thing and and even though it has people like you know Guillermo del Toro and Reese Witherspoon Spielberg and and, as producers on on various shows like it's still not enough like it just feels like it's going to be one of those kind of gimmicks that like dies by the end of this year because it was too costly and nobody really signed up for it because yeah you can get your content on YouTube and for the most part you know with the odd exception here and there it's it's free where this like it's it's a pay to you know play kind of thing and you're just watching legitimately a series in in chunks and and yeah you could argue that like today the the average attention span has dwindled to the point of uh you know we can only watch you know a certain amount of 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 content in smaller doses but this isn't the kind of stuff I want to watch in those smaller doses, if you know what I mean. Like, it, it, again, like it's all like I rather watch sort of variety, you know, nonfiction kind of stuff or just kind of like, you know, personalities having conversations for seven to 15 minutes on YouTube than watch, you know, a, a new uh, program on this new service that is kind of like you know trying to throw all the bells and whistles at you and 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 say like okay well like look look who we have you know hosting this show or look who we have starring in this this you know ongoing series like it just it's like okay i rather watch a movie then or i rather watch an actual tv series than than this yeah i totally agree with that um Let's move on, because um, I that we might keep talking about Quibi in the weeks to come, but who knows? I probably won't watch anything if I'm honest. Um, Disney shifted uh, basically their entire schedule. We knew a lot of their movies were kind of you know uh, moving off of their original dates. We knew Black Widow wasn't coming uh, at the beginning of May. Uh, they already had to kind of shift Mulan um, and different things. So Disney put out a release where. Um, they gave new dates to all of those movies that they moved off of their schedule and some of them that they hadn't moved yet. Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Emphasis on the X. Um, So they pushed everything. So we have new dates for a lot of their films, which I can run through you uh, guys now. And then Eric and I can talk about it. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see where they put some of these movies um, because then that kind of gives you a sense of what Disney is thinking and, and when they think maybe this whole thing will be over with. Um, So uh, Mulan got pushed to July 24th. Um, 
then that means uh, f- I'm just going to go all over the place. Free Guy, which is the Fox film with Ryan Reynolds and Taika Waititi, uh, is now going to be on December 11th uh, because it was early July. Uh, Jungle Cruise moved a full year back to July 30th, 2021. Um, Indiana Jones, uh, I mean, that hadn't even started shooting yet, I don't think, moved from July 2021 to July 2022. Uh, The French Dispatch, the Wes Anderson movie from Searchlight, moved from July 24th to October 6th. Um, There are a ton of MCU uh, release date changes as well. So you have... um, Black Widow moving from May to November 6th. That means the Eternals, which was originally in November, moves to February 12th. That means Shang-Chi. That Basically, they bumped all their MCU movies down one. So Shang-Chi moves to May 7th, 2021. Doctor Strange moves from May to November. And then Thor uh, moves from November 2021 to February 2022. And then Black Panther 2 uh, stays the same in May 8th. And then Captain Marvel um, uh, was announced for July 8th, 2022. So all their MCU movies got shifted down one. Um, that also meant that uh, Artemis Fowl in a thing we've been predicting since it got, since the first trailer, um, our prophecy has come true. It will be on Disney plus sometime in the summer. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anything there. I think I covered it, right? Oh, and then yes. that means they left uh, Disney Pixar Soul for late June, I think, or mid June. That's not going like to happen. Did... They're going to move. Yeah, that. I know. They have to. I know, yeah. but, uh, they left it there. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea. Um, it looks like that will probably move, and maybe they're hoping the Mulan date of July 24th uh, stays, but I think that could also still be in jeopardy, but um, it's interesting that they, I think they probably just wanted, you know, to, you know, lock down these dates and kind of, even if they have to push them again, you still kind of, you know, plant your flag in those dates. So other people maybe don't take up those dates around you. Um, and then that means some of uh, the other Fox movies that didn't get dates is our uh, new mutants. Uh, I forget what else. Um, well, there's deep water. There's deep water. Um, yeah. Uh, what else is there? Uh, oh, the woman in the window, which is a yes, big one. Yeah. Um, so those three, and there yeah. might have been one other, but um, New Mutants. Oh, the last two Ridley Scott movie as well, which I think is still supposed, supposed to be December. Open December, but they're only halfway through shooting when uh everything kind of was shut down. So we'll, we'll Ridley see Scott will shoot goes. everything in the week up to release. Um, yeah, and Christopher Plummer will be added into at least three of the four <laughs> roles. Um, yeah, but New Mutants not getting a date is interesting. Um, I kind of do a- feel bad for that movie, even though it has become this ongoing joke. It's like, is this movie even real? And it's like, just release it on Hulu and whatever the equivalent here is in Canada. Like, I mean, just release it on Disney Plus or iTunes and make it a premium, you know, release. Like, at this point, it's just gotten out of hand where it's like this movie has been moved so much and delayed because of, you know, potential reshoots and then deciding not to. And, you know, with, with everything going on with the, the Disney Fox merger, like it feels like the unwanted stepchild of, of, of Disney Fox now, or just Disney, I guess. So um, it's, it's very strange. 
Yeah, just put it out of his misery, really. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think you're probably going to make just as much money if you just put it out as a premium VOD and then maybe Disney Plus a few weeks later, like you did with Onward or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe yeah. you just cho- choose one or the other because maybe you're, you know, kneecapping yourself if you announce that it'll already be on Disney Plus in a few weeks. But, um, I don't know. It's in, it, it's interesting. I mean, it kind of makes sense that all the MCU movies just shifted down, you know, one date. Um, this doesn't say like what's happening with all the Disney plus series that were supposed to come this year. I don't know if any of them had finished. I think WandaVision did finish shooting and I think captain, uh, captain Falcon and the, the <laughs> whatever, and the winter um, soldier. <laughs> yeah. Captain Falcon. um, and the winter soldier uh i think was in its like last week or two of shooting so um but then there's all the post production and everything which i i know can be done remotely but uh, it must be a difficult process i think pre production might be easier than post production on some of this stuff um well so even tv we is starting to move now like you're 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 seeing like even something like like hbo moved the mark ruffalo derek cinefront series to may and then the no cole kidman hugh grant series the undoing um to the end of the year because tv is one of those things where it's like it's a lot faster in its turnaround so if you don't have something on the go if 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 productions have shut down and and you only have so much content available you kind of have to now spread that out right like even with like web series like again going back to good mythical morning like you can see that like the episodes that they had shot before um you know the coronavirus and the pandemic was officially you know set was you know, they had like so many episodes and now they're coming to the end of having all this back catalog ready to be released. So they have to kind of spread it out. And and now you're seeing that with, with, you know, TV studios as well. Yeah. And I think some TV shows have already come out and said that they won't be able to, you know, finish their seasons or anything, right? Like we might get some weird endings for season finales for some shows because they could only get you know eight out of their 10 episodes done or something like that so um but yeah i mean the mcu stuff um i again it's a bummer but i mean we'll everything just shifts you know until the 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 next date um but then except jungle cruise that just moved away Yeah, that that is an interesting one. I, I could have seen them putting. I guess The Rock is too big of a name to maybe th- and Emily Blunt to throw that on Disney Plus or something. But because um, that seems like a one that I'm like, oh, that'll do okay for them. But I don't know if it'll, you know, if people will go crazy for it or not. Um, and then I mean, Artemis Fowl going to Disney Plus. We kind of expected that, you know. Uh, yeah. Even think about it all this, this way, happening. though. One day you'll be able to tell your children that you saw the trailer to a Disney Plus movie in the theater. Whoa. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Indiana Jones. I mean, yeah. Uh, we didn't expect that. I mean, is that, that even going to happen? Who knows, right? And then um, Mulan, I guess, is the one where we're like, is it still going to come out in July? I think if it misses that date, it might go to Disney Plus too. But. I don't know. Right. It maybe it's, it's too just, big it's, of a movie. It's a, yeah, like that's the problem. Like something like New Mutants is like 
pocket change for Disney, but like Mulan, I mean, they probably put over, well, they put over a hundred million dollars in the production and, and you got to think about like what the advertising and promotional you know, campaign was going to be as well. And then like, if it was going to be released on, on home video, as well as Disney plus down the line, I mean, onward is getting a, a Blu-ray and 4k release next month. So, you know, like there are still those plans that are, that are in mind as well. It, it's, it's interesting. Like I'm sure what will happen is something like free guy will be moved to the beginning of next year. And Mulan will probably move to December if, if that comes to be the decision, but yeah, like I, I just don't think anything will open even by July. Like I, like at this point we're waiting to hear whether or not for Warner brothers, what they're going to do with tenant. So. Yeah. And last week we talked about thinking that that probably moves to uh, December and then that pushes Dune out from there. But um, yeah, we'll have to see, man. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, Disney, the, the next one kind of, I don't know. Uh, but keeping in the MCU kind of space, um, Ant-Man 3 has a new writer. Um, uh, Jeff Loveness, who is a writer and co-producer on um, Rick and Morty, is going to be writing Ant-Man 3. Um, and he has a history kind of in late night TV and, and the uh, Daniel Radcliffe series, Miracle Workers. Um, also wrote for the onion news network and stuff like that. So, uh, interesting choice. I know they've kind of, uh, I think they also have a Rick and Morty writer working on the Loki series as well. I think he's a showrunner on there, not the same guy, a different guy. Um, but I mean, I know, I guess that seems like we're getting an Ant-Man three, probably after captain Marvel two in 2022 or 2021 or whatever late 2021 because it doesn't seem like it fits into any of those dates right now right so yeah i think the only interesting thing or 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 what i'm looking forward to the most in ant-man 3 at this point is uh whether or not eric wareheim uh will will show up to complete the trilogy of of tim and eric uh people showing up in in these ant-man movies we can only hope. Um, but cool choice. Um, I always thought Ant-Man could have been maybe a Disney Plus series or something like that moving forward. But um, looks like they'll keep it theatrical. And we'll probably get that in a couple years. Uh, All righty. Where am I? Uh, I was on a piece of news that I wanted to talk about, but then I lost it. Um, anything else that you saw that was on your radar the last week or so? Oh yeah. I'll just quickly mention, um, speaking of documentaries, um, hot dogs will be, uh, teaming up with CBC, uh, to create a multi-platform fest at home, uh, with some of the films that were announced or the, the, the initial slate starting on April 16th. So, um, if you are still interested in participating in hot dogs, um, and supporting the festival, um, you can go to their website and find out more of the details and uh, what movies will be playing or streaming um, for this year's sort of hybrid documentary um, online uh, festival. So that's kind of that's cool, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for free or how's that working? Uh, I guess, I'm looking or- that up right now. Um, I think there will probably be some sort of pay- uh, 
payment method here. So yeah, I know they have CBC Gem, which is a streaming service that they have and stuff like that. So maybe it's through that. But um, no worries, I can yeah. keep going. And if you get details, um, Nia DaCosta's Candyman also got delayed until September. Uh, wanted to mention that as well. Um, and then there was something else that I wanted to talk about. Oh, the South by Southwest news as well. So in, in line with what you're talking about with hot dogs, um, South by Southwest teamed up with Amazon and they'll be doing a digital festival as well. So they're inviting anyone whose films were accepted into South by Southwest uh, to opt in to this digital festival. And those movies will be streaming for free on Amazon Prime. So I don't even think you have to be a subscriber or anything like that, but um I think it's going to be in front of the paywall and you'll be able to stream uh, any of those South by Southwest movies for, I think, you know, what would have been the normal time period. Uh, uh, but probably Nevis mentioned that it seems like that's a U.S. thing. So I don't know how they're going to handle it here in Canada. So, uh, Or not point. at all. I mean, it might just be a U.S. exclusive, right? Um, it's unless, possible. Like, but I mean, you know, they honor like... Um, you know, accredited press that's international. Sure. I'm sure with press, you could reach out for certain things like that, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they approach that because Amazon prime is available here. Um, but I know with rights issues and things like that, I think they'll, when someone opts in, they'll probably be some sort of, you know, in the contract of it, maybe this is only a U.S. thing or is it worldwide or something like that. So, yeah. And, and then they still will be getting paid for it and everything like that. Which is good. I mean, it, it it does. It is interesting that you know they still had the festival to a certain degree with giving out uh, awards, and you know distributors were still picking up movies like Neon. But um, yeah, you're 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 seeing the festival circuit now having to adapt to a digital world. So um, you know things are changing. Yeah. Did we talk about the Paramount um, release date changes? Was that last week? With the Lovebirds? Well, no, with A Quiet Place Part 2 and Top Gun and, and stuff like that. Did we talk oh, about no, that Oh, no, we week? didn't because I think that was like just like right after our last episode. Okay. Well, it, it's the – all of our news are just release dates getting changed. So um, That's all we have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, A Quiet Place 2 is now slated for uh, Labor Day weekend, so the first weekend in September. Uh, Top Gun moved to December 22nd, so it's now a Christmas movie. Um, were there any other big pushes from Paramount, or were those the only two? I think those were the two big ones, but I think it's pretty safe to say Top Gun Maverick, TIFF 2020. I, it could happen, man. Um, you never know. Whatever the festival ends up being this year, it'll be an interesting one to see. Because uh, there'll be it, the whole end of the year is going to be so crowded with both festival slash Oscar movies as well as you know big blockbusters that had to move into uh, uh, the end of the year. Um, if they didn't and how will push the awards push. be handed out? Will they be you know digitally telecast and like whoever wins will get them mailed to their house? No, I think by then we'll probably be ready to come together and, and celebrate, but um, hopefully, <laughs> right? who knows? Um, it, I mean, the, who knows, man? Like they're talking about with sports, maybe coming back in July or August, but they'll be doing them in like 
single cities. So they um, get rid of the travel. So it'll be like regional. So teams that are in a certain area, instead of all traveling to, you know, all these different cities and countries and different things like that, they just have like a home base where they play games in front of no, uh, no fans and stuff like that. Um, so uh, the other piece of news was Lauren Balf um, stepped in for uh, Black Widow and he will be doing the score. So last minute change. He's the composer of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, saw that on. So this too. is kind of like a Johan Johan situation with uh, Blade Runner 2049 where he was kind of replaced last minute by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Wallfish. Yeah. So um, I'm fine with it. I mean, it, it looks like they're going for a Mission Impossible kind of vibe on Black Widow, so that kind of tracks. And I liked his Mission Impossible score. So, I'm oh yeah, it was it. great. Um, and I think that kind of wraps up this week in news. Um, and our first ever two-parter episode. I mean, you guys are hearing it as one, and you know what? A brisk hour. That's all we're giving you guys this week. Um, we're running out of shit to talk about. Unless I mean, Eric, you know, again, comment and let us know what you want us to talk about, and we can uh, incorporate that into the show. Yeah, Eric and I have been brainstorming a couple ideas. I think we mentioned on the show, like what we maybe want to do, since there, you know, not too many new movies coming out and not too much movie news. So, got to fill up this time somehow. Um, so, yeah, we might, you know, pick a director to kind of go through their films or something like that, like we did with the Rocky series last year. So. Um, I'm telling you, draft 69, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, we should kick off a Paul Verhoeven um, retrospective with the 69th draft. I'm down. Um, Oh, yeah. Would we do every movie or just choose his? his Or just all the erotic stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but I would want to watch, you know, I mean, Robocop's erotic, I guess. Um, But erotic cop? uh, Yeah. Um, Eric. I mean, someone does get shot in the dick, so. That's. That is fair. That is fair. Uh, any plans for the rest of the week for you? Um, I have to finish up a couple reviews for uh, movies that will be opening on Netflix or streaming this week. Um, Alan Yang's new movie comes out, which uh, I'm excited to talk more about it when I can. I'm embargoed oh, cool. on it right now. So, yeah. What's it called? Uh, Tiger Tail. Oh, Okay. Cool. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. So Alan Yang is the co-creator of Master of None, if uh yes, if people yes. wanted to know. Yeah. Um, I will be playing some Final Fantasy VII remake this weekend. We have a long weekend. Um, so perfect timing for a big old video game to come out. Um I hope you guys all have a good Easter weekend. Um, celebrate responsibly. I know it's tough. Um, I would love to go see my family for something like this. Um, not in, not religious in any sense, but, um, holidays like Easter are a great, you know, excuse to get together with family and, and things like that. And this year is going to be really, really tough with everything that's going on. And, uh, for those of us that, you know, uh, don't live with our parents anymore or, um, you know, haven't, I haven't seen my parents in, even more than a month that this has been going on. Cause I hadn't seen them in a little t- uh, bit before that it's it's this weekend will be both, you know, a nice break from work and, and different things like that, but also um, very, very tough. Cause I'll, uh, I know a lot of us will want to be spending time with our families. So I don't know. I, I've had a lot of, I had a great phone call with my dad the other day. Um, these zoom calls that um, my, 
Nevis played Jackbox with my cousin Melissa and my, and my sister. And you can do a lot of these things. I, I, this weekend, Eric and I kicked off this show talking about how got together with friends and watched WrestleMania over Zoom. So again, if you're listening and, and need any tips on any of that, um, by all means, hit me up and I'd gladly uh, give you all the knowledge I have. But it'll be tough this weekend, but I'm excited to kind of, you know, hopefully get on a Zoom call with my whole family and maybe just eat our respective Easter dinners, but virtually. So um, you got any plans, Eric? I know you're still you're you you there with your stepdad and your and your mom, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're just kind of hanging out. Uh, nothing really planned. Like, there's some family stuff that you know because my grandparents are um, are much older and they, yeah. you know, need help. So we've been, you know, kind of keeping our distance, obviously, but uh, at the same time, you know, preparing meals for them and and things like that, and trying to, um, you know, make sure that they're okay and 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 what have you and 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 you know Kyle and 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 Heidi uh, his partner Heidi are, are in, in Toronto and um they're you know keeping okay and and my other brother's kind of you know having to still work cuz he's a court officer but um taking all the necessary precautions when working and getting off of work so um yeah it's it's one of those situations where you know, everybody's kind of spread out. And this was like a year that we were actually kind of planning something because again, we, you know, we realized that, um, you know, my grandparents are, my, my grandfather's 91 and, and, and my, uh, grandmother is, uh, 86. And we realized, you know, that they, you know, aren't going to be here forever. And, you know, every holiday is now precious or at least more important than they were in the past. So, you know, it kind of sucks that way, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you adapt the best way you can. And I find myself, and I'm not sure if you have been as well, but I mean, obviously, you know, connecting with people on, uh, you know, Zoom or Skype or, or something like even this, uh, with, with Zencaster and, and, and recording, but, um, I find myself talking to people more on the phone than I have yeah. in, in a very long time. Um, I spent like 32 minutes talking to my dad who lives in Newtonville on a a horse farm for a half an hour. Um, and that never happens. I totally agree. I I mean, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm like you are, I'm, I'm close with my dad too. And it's not like we don't talk. But, well, no, um, I should say I'm not close with my dad. That's the sure. thing. Like, I mean, I mean yeah. like relative, sorry. Yeah. Maybe I'm a bit closer, but uh, what I mean is like, I don't talk to my dad on the phone at all. Right. Like right. I, my dad and I exchange texts. I'm very close with him, but like we exchange, you know, text here and there about the, the Toronto Maple Leafs or, or, or something like that. But, um, and then when I'm at home, I'll have conversations with him, but I'm, I'm very close with my family. I just, don't need to talk to them all the time, but then something like this has um, kind of changed my habits. And I think I'm in contact over text. And then, like you said, on, on the telephone more than ever, like I had a 45 minute conversation with my dad the other day, which I'm like afterwards felt really good about because I'm like, Oh, I haven't, I don't think I've done that since I moved out, you know? Like, it's not like I just call my dad and and like, usually it's asking him for help on something, which is how this phone call started anyway. But, um, and then I just ended up having a good 45 minute conversation with him. And then, 
um, FaceTiming with my mom every once in a while or Nevis's parents. We FaceTimed, uh, the other day to see how they were holding up and, um, while I was cooking dinner and it was, it's things like this where it's like, it's that thing I talk about how like with technology, you can be more connected than we are more connected than we ever have. It's just some of these things we either, I don't know, took for granted or because we don't have that, we're not able to have that human interaction. We're reaching out on things like this more and more often. And again, I hope it kind of continues after this, even though I have the outlet to both see them in person and then maybe call them a bit more often too. So, um, yeah. And, that and the other dead. thing is, oh, sorry. Uh, I just want to quickly say that, uh, yeah. this is obviously a joke. Um, but, uh, we also have a Batman versus Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice kind of weird connection where in that, uh, both Batman and Superman's mums are named Martha. Uh, in our case, both our dads are named Mike. Oh, there we go. That's why we, uh, are best buds. I think that's the only reason why. Oh, One yeah. Went, 100%. Mike? Michael? What's that name? <laughs> What's that name? Why'd you say that name? That's how Eric and I first met. I was just in line for a TIFF movie and I heard him go, Michael? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. That's my it's dad's name. Joke. That's my dad's name. Um, we will have a review on our other channel, Untitled Movie Reviews, this weekend. Um, I'm going to force Eric to watch Trolls World Tour. Um, will I have to pay to $19? We'll see. I have sent several <laughs> emails to the Universal <laughs> people asking for a screener. Please don't link. make me pay. Yeah, please, please don't, don't make, make me pay $19. Pay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure we can figure out how we you know, share that. Um, so we will have a review for Trolls World Tour. Uh, I'm sure we'll review uh, Extraction when it comes out. And I'm going to try and look at the Netflix movies. Um, maybe I, I'll also watch that Alan Yang movie maybe as well. Is that out this Friday, Eric? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and cool. I really do want to talk about um, uh, Cursed Films, which uh, yes, and by the time – by the time that this episode, I mean, this episode airs or we'll have it on Wednesday. So Thursday, uh, the next two episodes will be available. But um, throughout the month of April, um, there will be uh, five episodes in total. So um, right yeah, now I'm you can go on watch. Shudder and watch uh, The Exorcist uh, Cursed episode. And if you if you want to uh, watch and, and don't necessarily want to subscribe, uh, they're offering a 30-day uh, free trial with the uh, the code uh, shut in. So, which I used, yeah, and it, it was, uh, which is great. So I'm going to try to watch that as well. Maybe I'll kick that off this weekend. Cool. All right, guys. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find uh, more of my work uh, around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow all of my uh, you know, quarantine shenanigans over on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd and Instagram at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Martian. You can find more of my reviews uh, at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias like Letterboxd and Twitter at EM6211. And, you know, if you have time, guys, uh, please uh, subscribe, uh, rate, uh, review the show. It, it, it really makes a difference. And, and, you know, we appreciate anybody who's taking the time to listen to our little show, uh, especially uh, nowadays. So, so thank you so much for listening. Until next time.
Michael? Stay safe. <laughs> yeah. That's my dad's name. <laughs>